Welcome to another episode of the Handsome Hockey Podcast, where we'll spend less time talking about the plain white tees and more time talking about the upcoming Stanley Cup Finals. I am Jake, here with me as always. Evan! (laughs) I like this new change. (laughs) Yeah, if you set it up like that, it's hard for me not to. I'm going to keep doing it then. We are coming at you from my basement, because it is... The surface of the sun outside, currently in Portland, Oregon. We are in the middle of the heat dome, as we're calling it, heat wave. Um, it is supposed to get to 115 degrees outside. It is currently sitting at a balmy 104, um, but we're coming at you from well, 144 at in the afternoon, and it's supposed to peak out around 5. So we'll see if we can get to 115. It's kind of like watching fantasy sports scores like watching this temperature <laughs> like can can we beat it can we beat 108 we did 108 yesterday <laughs> can we beat the record we set yesterday yeah right yeah fuck this that's what i have to say that's my <laughs> profound statement about the the heat wave i moved to portland because it wasn't supposed to get this hot like like a week before i got here in 2009 they were like, oh, my God, we just had the worst heat wave, and it was August. And I was like, really? How hot did it get? They are like, oh, it was like 92 degrees. And I was like, and how was the humidity? And they're like, oh, there's no humidity. I was like, oh, joy. Yeah, right. Like, you know, a dry 92 is not not the worst thing in the world. Even with 40% humidity, I'm fine. Sure, yeah, I can handle that. 96% humidity like we had in the Midwest in our summers? Nah. <laughs> you know, I found that a whole lot more bearable without the mosquitoes. When we went back to do the garage sale at my parents' place, there were no mosquitoes and it was it was like, oh man, this is awesome. Um, and they were like, oh, this sucks. And I was like, I just came from, you know, it was like 60s here then. Yeah. And I, I, I may have legitimately brought this weather back and I'm very sorry to all of portland because it is my fault that it is now like sorry for making it like the chronicles of riddick outside well i mean you heard it here first right it's evan's fault and he's the worst so Mm -hmm. this Uh, is my lot in life you know where the heat is really ratcheting up in the stanley cup playoff we've gotten (laughs) tampa versus montreal what we all picked at the beginning of the playoffs, huh? We were, we were all coveting this matchup of two juggernauts primed and ready to <laughs> exceed expectations and blow the doors off of the finals. It'd be a seven-game slugfest of offensive might or not. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting that we get kind of max offense versus max defense. We are kind of half right. You know, we get one of our juggernauts and then one incredibly plucky underdog. You know, I was thinking about it, well, since Tampa won game seven, really, I'm actually really excited for this final. Like, Me too. I know there's a lot of hot takes on Twitter that are like, we got to root for Montreal. If you don't like Montreal, you don't have a soul. I don't want Montreal to win. <laughs> and I have a red beard, so I'm partial ginger. So maybe I don't have a soul. But like, I do have this worry that Montreal winning will turn us back into like that late 90s drudge pot of a hawk of hockey where games are all two to one three to two and nothing fun ever happens except for the wet red wings winning a lot we didn't already have that no it's better than that games are more free-flowing games are more fast-paced but montreal is real good at ending that as evidenced by their ability to shut down everybody of merit on both toronto and vegas uh, mark stone had zero points against montreal i don't know what could have happened to him he also just had a bad series he had well he had a bad playoff he had i think he only had one point in the colorado series too oh really yeah i mean he was kind of visible defensively but and had at least some clutch goals here and there but he had yeah yeah, he had one point it was an overtime winner 
or he had one point in regulation and one point in overtime in the Colorado series and zero points in the Montreal series. Uh, and we'll get into that later, but as the vibe check of this playoffs of this final, you know, there's the parable of the unstoppable force and the immovable object. Mm-hmm. We have that. Tampa has been a juggernaut for years now and is the most offensively dynamic and offensively chameleon-like of Mm -hmm. any team in the NHL. And then Montreal is so good at sucking the life out of your (laughs) offense. And then when you like eventually break down, because even the best defenses break down from time to time, then you face a resurgent Carey Price, who's playing out of his mind. And so we're really going to see that in this series, where the big question is, can or questions i think are can tampa solve montreal's defense can they break them down can they get into the zone cleanly and set up their offense and can montreal who have played almost like a soccer style counter attacking Mm -hmm. style where you see them absorb 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 and then all of a sudden cole caulfield is screaming down the center of the (laughs) ice with a puck with nobody within 10 feet of him so can that work or what wrinkles come out of Montreal to maximize their opportunities against a Tampa team that is also one of the best defensive teams. Yeah, I think you put hockey. it perfectly. And then also they have Vasilevsky on the back end. They also have the best goalie in the world. Yeah. So yeah, will the counter thing that's been Montreal's calling card throughout the playoffs work? I, I, that's, you know, I kind of have no idea. My inkling is no, but we also didn't think it was going to work against Vegas's solid decor. So if Vegas's <laughs> decor got exposed a lot, a little bit, but I also think that that's where a lot of their scoring was coming from in the series was Petrangelo stepping up. I mean, we found out that Alec Martinez was playing with a broken foot and yeah. their goalies were not having a particularly good series either. As we know, Victor Hedman may not be full strength, but they still have plenty of other really good defensive yeah. defensemen and defensive players like they are a whole team defense team you know you see Braden Point fucking back check plenty mm-hmm. so I kind of think it won't work but we've been wrong about the Montreal Canadiens before we've uh, been wrong about Montreal probably in every series so far <laughs> but uh, if you go back to episode 14 yeah we called Actually, them being a playoff team <laughs> I will point out that I and I'll point this out probably multiple times in this episode but like in the last episode with like two three game series left over I did call Montreal in six and Tampa in seven mm-hmm. and I'm gonna I'm just gonna run with that that hot streak and we'll see where it goes pretty solid Montreal their route to the final has gone through probably the most fragile team in hockey Toronto <laughs> Uh, what you don't think i'm good fine i guess i'm not (laughs) they're like emo teens which is maybe fitting because a lot of their best players are just a couple years removed from teen Mm -hmm. being teens they then played a poor defensive team propped up by who is probably the second best goalie in the league in connor hellebuck and they got they lost jake evans but also made Shifley go away in that series. Yeah, Mark, too, so. Mark Shifley made himself go away, not Philip Deneau and not the Department of Players. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> safety. Listen, um, Mark Shifley. But oh, then, oh man, yeah. Oh, I'm not at fault for my actions. <laughs> I stabbed him 37 times. It's his fault. <laughs> uh, Shouldn't have been standing where that knife was. Yeah, where like I moved it to. <laughs> then they, honestly, outside of maybe game one, handled Vegas who mm-hmm. had just handled Colorado, who I would say is probably the second best team in hockey. Yeah, and they were the President's Cup winners. Yeah. It, it, like, crazy. Yeah. Upsets on upsets. Hey, I heard you like upsets, so your upsets get upsets. Uh, one of the big differences here is that while Vegas doesn't really have center depth, Tampa does. Mm-hmm. They had lots of it. And centers for days. Yeah. And Vegas didn't have Chandler Stevenson, but when he came back, he didn't really make an impact either. No, and how Alex Tuck couldn't kind of fulfill that position's duties was kind of surprising to me. Yeah, maybe they that's their offseason is they need a center. Everyone's attached them to Jack Eichel, possibly. How they afford that, I don't know. But <laughs> Right. But that's a story 
for another episode. For this episode, you know, Vegas is a team that's built to win a championship right now, and mm-hmm. Montreal dismantled them. So there's there's a lot to like, at least as far as Montreal's chances going mm-hmm. forward. Now, whether this plays out or Tampa is who we thought they were and just, you know, slaps them around for five games and, <laughs> and you know, we'll, we'll see. But the last team to beat Tampa in the playoffs basically resembled this Montreal team. And that would be the Columbus Blue Jackets who surprised the shit out of the then President's Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round series in four games. So... This is a way different Tampa team. It is. They went out, they got Blake Coleman, they got Barkley Goodrow. They were like, okay, now we can play every type of hockey. Right. They got a lot grittier. They got a lot bigger. They got, that was when they brought in Pat Maroon too, right? Yep. As we said earlier, Carey Price has had an incredible playoff so far. He's the odds on favorite as of right now to win the Conn Smythe. And that seems like it'll hold unless they get embarrassed in the finals. Yeah. As but, they uh, pointed out on Puck Soup, he has a larger chance of winning the Conn Smythe than his team is being given to win the series. And so you know, maybe we could see a Conn Smythe given to a loser this year. It's hard to think that would happen if you have a star quality like Braden Point, who has been putting up crazy, crazy point totals. But yeah, just the the very possibility of that is like, breaking time space continuum you're looking at brayden point and you're like wow this guy scores all the goals he's incredible and he has fewer points than nikita kucherov right this team is stupidly good (laughs) and you know it's going to take a massive effort really from montreal with that said philip deneau we talked about him earlier Mm -hmm. has had a brilliant playoff as a defensive center shut down that uh marner matthews line against uh, against toronto shut down well you know whatever was left in winnipeg and then completely erased mark stone from the playoffs yeah he's he mustn't he might not have even been here i don't know if he actually played (laughs) philip deneau is the eraser um (laughs) he he's like and then he's a nice enough guy to bring cole outfield uh pizza after the game you know like talk about a great teammate if Philip Deneau is the eraser, is Carey Price the Vanessa Williams of this <laughs> team? Possibly. Yeah, Philip Deneau is playing himself into, like, because of the absurdity of how trophies are handed out in the NHL, you know, you don't get to see the proper kind of assignment for the Selkie trophy until years later. Like, it's like, okay, you're we're awarding you the Selkie trophy, but you have to get in line until you actually get it. It's yeah. like having a union job. And, uh, yeah, Philip Deneau is playing himself into a Selkie Trophy next year. He's playing himself into probably should have won it this year. <laughs> he yeah. should have won it this year. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. They awarded it to Barkov, but also for like a last couple of years of work. Yeah, for sure. And so, yeah, it it's the uh, <laughs> it's like a union job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're for, qualified. You just got to sit here for a while until the, yeah. the old guy dies. Yeah, <laughs> wait until... Wait until Mort dies. <laughs> <laughs> Mort's got to punch the clock one last time. <laughs> I think this series comes down to two things for Montreal. Deneau and his line of him and Gallagher and uh, whoever else is on that line right now is a Lekkonen or something like that. Being able to hold off that first line of Tampa. And then finally, are the, the, the kids going to continue to score and produce in this series for Montreal because they're the ones scoring all the goals. I think it's Suzuki, Caulfield, Kokaniemi. You know, those are the Shea Weber, who's super young. <laughs> now, uh, those are the guys who are scoring uh, the lion's share of the goals for this team. They're going to need that extra you know, punch if they want to keep going in this series. And, you know, those guys are, have been playing against Vegas's, you know, third line or whatever. Tampa's third line is way better than Vegas's third line. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, you're throwing, they're throwing out Goodrow and Coleman and Yanni Gord instead of Christ. I don't even know who was on Vegas's third <laughs> line, but uh, that's like, not, I can that's assure not the Reeves line. I can the assure, fourth line, right? Yeah. I can assure Well, Reeves barely even played in that series. 
but I can assure you it doesn't have a center <laughs> uh, on Vegas. So I think, you know, th- those are the the big th- questions that we need to ask of Montreal going into the finals. You know, Tampa, on the other hand, had, I think, a much tougher route to the final. That's not to discredit anything Montreal did, but Tampa has gone through a resurgent Florida team mm-hmm. and Carolina, who is one of like the five best teams in the NHL and then and they're on the rise and then like uh Barry Trotz and his assemblage of belligerents <laughs> who uh you know go to war every night and make games hell for <laughs> for the their opponents yeah we did just sort of see them play a bit of a comp to Montreal in in the Islanders and you know they struggled but they still won. They also won game five, eight to nothing. Right. So <laughs> like going into that point that was we made earlier where Tampa can play any style. They won a game eight to nothing and they won a game one to nothing. Right. Like they are a flexible, dynamic team. And it's it's not surprising at all. And Andre Vasilevsky, their goalie, has closed out every series so far this year with a shutout. Like just I love that little cherry on top. He's like, oh, you think you're going to win? <laughs> I put my hand on your chest and I say, no. He does like the Dikembe Mutombo <laughs> finger wag just before the game. Like every time he makes a save, you can't see it because he's got gloves on, but he's doing it. <laughs> I think Dikembe Mutombo needs to be more of a presence in, in hockey in somehow. The, in, the, in the world, really. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, Tampa is also just an absolutely stacked team to the point where they're 17 million over the cap. You know, it's and again, <laughs> the, the cap that technically doesn't exist. And honestly, I don't have a problem with this whatsoever. There are rules play within them to get the best team you possibly can. As uh, someone pointed out, the last time that this sort of quote unquote cap circumvention happened was 2015, the Blackhawks sat Patrick Kane, who got injured right before the deadline, uh, and then brought him back for the playoffs, you know, doing exactly what Tampa is doing with Kucherov. And there was one team in the offseason at the owners meetings that put in a proposal to change that and and make the uh, make the cap apply during the playoffs. That team was the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they were summarily laughed out of the building and uh everyone voted against them who's fucking laughing now <laughs> the sith lord julian brisois himself yeah i love it love uh, it you know what and and if i i hope that meeting was recorded for posterity's sake they're like well we've got to keep minutes i think it and was actually the time- uh, the thrown out of the building uh meme <laughs> tampa has everything you could need on a Stanley Cup winner. They've got center depth in Point and Sorelli and Gord and Tyler Johnson. Also, if something happens, they've got Steven Stamkos, who is actually <laughs> a center. <laughs> like uh Barkley Goodrow can play center. Like they've they've got everything you need. They're like the Canadian tire of a roster. <laughs> they they have a stacked defense with Hedman and Sergachev and McDonough and Chernak and Savard and Ruda. Like, wow, look at you go. And as we said earlier, they have the best goalie in the world. Right. This is, they, they are the definition of a juggernaut. The real question that we have for them is, can somebody break down this Montreal team? Is mm-hmm. it possible? If it is, we're going to see it because this is the team that could do it. Yeah, and Mo- and does Montreal have the speed to counter off of a defensive stop? Like, that's going to be the, the question. If we see it in game one and it starts to work, it's like, okay, this is going to be a series. But I think if we don't see it, that's that's deep shit for Montreal. Yeah, game one, you know, if we don't get this out before game one, <laughs> like, it could be really telling. We put this out and then we're like, Oh well, fuck. We were wrong. But or the Vegas, Colorado series game one situation could happen, and game one could just be an exact opposite of a Harbinger for the rest of the series. It's entirely possible. 
Talk about a fake out, man. Well, the first game of the Colorado series, the That's first I mean. time of the Vegas Montreal series, too. Like they, yeah, maybe Tampa goes around the Maginot line here there in this in, in this first round, and then all, you know, maybe they they go around the defenses, and then Montreal tightens the screws after game one, and we watch, you know, just the demise of pretty hockey one game after another. I can't think of any other like military mismatches to like desert storm maybe <laughs> yeah uh storm and norman <laughs> going through the oil fields of kuwait and iraq again i'm very excited for this series i would be regardless because it's the stanley cup finals but at the same time there is a lot of intrigue here there's mm-hmm. a lot of possibility possible outcomes that are wildly unexpected there's an inherent kind of philosophical stylistic difference between the two teams there's two I mean, probably the two best goalies right now. Let's be honest. In the playoffs, for sure. Yeah. I mean, Carey Price was terrible this season in the regular no. season. Oh, don't you, don't I know as his <laughs> fucking fantasy owner? Yeah, that was that was funny. Actually, <laughs> it was funny. Uh, so, Evan, predictions. Mm. What God. do you got? You, just, you had to ask, didn't you? We are a hockey podcast. Yes. Like I, I am rooting for Montreal, but I got to go Tampa in six. You know, Tampa has all of the arsenal, all the weaponry, everything you could possibly need mm-hmm. in a cup winning team. Proven by the fact that they won it last year with basically the same team. Yeah. Actually a worse team. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. They were starting Luke Shen instead of David Savard. Like it's, it's, mm-hmm. they're an improved team. You know, it's, it's hard to pick against that. No, it's, it's impossible. I think. <laughs> With that being said, I'm going to say Montreal in seven. Wow. Max chaos and on top of max chaos. I love it. I don't want it to happen because I want, <laughs> I always want beautiful hockey to prevail. And Tampa is beautiful hockey, regardless of what you think about them as a cap circumvention, regardless of what you think about them having won last year and not needing to win it again. They're a beautiful hockey team to watch. I just think that this is that year where we go. Oh fuck! Like I, I, I think I, I feel you. You know, you talked last week, kind of jokingly, while we were talking about, while we were totally serious about the whole blood magic that Montreal yeah. is using. You know, you talked about a team of destiny, and it kind of feels that way. I wouldn't have believed it had they not just thoroughly destroyed Vegas, right? With that, just decimation of a great hockey team do i do i really think montreal can win my head tells says absolutely not there's no (laughs) way my head says tampa in five but your heart says my 1200 would be like 12,000. let us go habs (laughs) my my friend or my friend my heart is saying I think this is Montreal in in seven. You like, should be friends with your heart. I'm not always. Uh, I understand. I'm sure neither are you. But no, you know, it's, it's it pays to be friends. He's kind of a butthole. Hey, <laughs> uh, oh, you mean that thing that like has me weep at commercials with dogs in them? Like, <laughs> yeah, the thing it's that not ma- even a sad commercial. There's just a dog. The thing that made me cry during the Serena Williams Nike commercial. That thing. Yeah, <laughs> or like. Yeah, that thing. No, I don't want to trust it any more than I have to. But I'm fairly, I, I'm I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna say Montreal in seven. I like it. I mean, partially because Tampa has home ice, right? Yeah. So you're saying Montreal is gonna win in Tampa in Game Seven? Yeah. So as we're learning more and more in the media, around 11 years ago, right about this time of the year, getting deep into the Stanley Cup playoffs a sexual abuse story was unfolding in the Blackhawks organization that is only being talked about today. And even so not really being carried by as many outlets as it should be yet. Um, You know, it's still kind of tough sledding to get national organizations like Sportsnet to talk about this. Um, Luckily the athletic they're doing a great job and once again, kind of being out in front of the story. 
uh, Katie Strang, Mark Lazarus, and Scott Powers together have been writing and updating an article that, um, you know, really paints a damning picture of what was going on at the time and later uh, within the Blackhawks organization. I think ESPN had an article about it too. Yeah, they're starting to come on, but apparently, you know, TSN has, has talked about it as of late, but I guess Sportsnet hasn't yet. Um, and so I've seen some of, uh, like Sam from the broadcast is essentially has a matrix of uh, pro hockey writers. And if they've addressed this yet, I guess, you know, she's been really critical of like Elliot Friedman for not reporting on it. Um, and, you know, other people that are seemingly a little slow on the uptake because this story has been out in the open for a long time and was apparently relatively out in the open at the time. Um, we're hearing stories of even opposing players on the Philadelphia Flyers hearing about this coach that was sexually harassing and touching players and knowing that there was an open secret on the other fucking team. Like, that's insane. To his credit, Elliot Friedman did address it yeah, in his latest podcast episode. He did. And uh, just late. Yes, but did address it. Sure. And, you know could have addressed it to say yes i will get into this on the podcast i don't know. sometimes it kind of feels like an excuse sometimes you wonder if they're just doing their due diligence and, and trying to gather as much information as they can because also more information is coming out about this seemingly weekly at this point so um if not more often so i understand there's a impetus to not want to be wrong um, but at some point you just got to come out and say something. And, um, isn't that right? Stan Bowman. Yeah. Isn't that right? NHL. Yeah. Like, you know, we haven't seen an official we're investigating yet from, uh, anybody official at the league. Oh, they've denied that an investigation is ongoing. Right. And that's not the kind of statement we want from the league. You know, we want to hear that we're investigating and we're amping up our investigation and trying to determine if the team and, you know, certain people on the team and certain people that have were on the team at the time and have gone on to prominent roles in other teams should face consequences and sanctions. Mark Bergevin, who was head of player personnel at the time, uh, now GM for the Canadians has made an official statement that he didn't know about anything at the time, which Given what we've heard from uh, other players, seems pretty hard to believe. You know, he's he's got to protect himself. And he this does. is not me making excuses for Mark Bergevin in any way. No, you, you, he's, you're right. He's making excuses, or he's got to protect himself, probably both from a legal standpoint, uh, because there are open court cases right now, and also from a having a career standpoint. Right, a professional standpoint. If you deny then it takes a whole lot to you know unseat a denial it's really hard to prove you knew something when you just say i didn't know it like, there are still people who think that the election was stolen <laughs> yeah i'm just you know in these types of issues it's what did you know when did you know it and as we've seen over and over again in the american legal system that is an incredibly tough bar to cross um to prove that somebody knew something but because of the efforts of skills coach Paul Vincent, who was apparently tried to be very proactive at the time, he's the one who allegedly, you know, led to a meeting that involved team president John McDonough, GM Stan Bowman, VP of Hockey Operations Al McKissick, and mental skills coach James Gary. Paul Vincent, an ex-law enforcement operative, was adamant that, you know, we need to go to the cops. And uh, it's sort of the story that we now see is the cops were not consulted and you know this abuser was allowed to essentially not only walk free but got a recommendation and that allowed him to abuse further there was one article that i was reading that talked about how brad aldrich was around the team for the stanley cup parade mm -hmm. they took photos at the parade and then he vanished and nobody saw him again right 
And then he like popped up at a school in Houghton, Michigan and did some unsavory shit. He was, yeah, he was at the University of Miami or Miami University for a hot minute in between four months. Yeah. In between stints at this high school, how you go from being a video coach with an NHL team to then a volunteer for a high school and no one asks any fucking questions just seems like you know why nobody asked questions because he had a fucking letter of recommendation from the chicago blackhawks right and you know i I haven't seen that letter it would be nice to to, i assume it's going to get entered into evidence somewhere but yeah whether it was a letter or somebody made a call right just verbal Yeah. yeah who knows but it allowed him to yeah backing up it's insane to me that you go from a paid position to a volunteer position and then try and get another paid coaching position, do it for four months, and then go back to a volunteer position. And nobody says, yo, what's up with that? Are you just really bad at your job? Or are you doing nefarious things? There are a lot of red flags. We'll get to that. There have been red flags around this guy, apparently, going back to before he was with the Blackhawks. And there always are in these situations. There are always big red flags that if you look with the benefit of hindsight, they become much bigger and and much telling. But, you know, when you're in the situation, at least for me, the impetus is really to, you know, be nice to people and, and like kind of think the best of people. And that's what allows abusers in sport to completely, you know, operate with impunity and, and, you know, keeps their crimes perpetuated. And, you know, you talked a little bit about his, I think, four-month stint at Mm -hmm. Miami of Ohio. You know what Miami of Ohio has done? Lawyered up. Open an investigation. Also lawyered up. Well, yeah. I mean, again, they have to. They absolutely have to. But that also speaks to machinations of a university with more legal constraints. They They have to do more. I think that... You know, there are newer laws that say you have to investigate, you have to do such and such and such. And why the NHL is not operating with similar heavy handedness to its affiliated teams, I don't understand. It's obvious now that this was a whole systemic failure from mostly at the top, but top to bottom that allowed this guy to run free and hurt people. It's further insane that, you know, we are now getting players on the record that are saying, we knew about this. We heard about this. You know, it was an open secret in the locker room that this guy was sexually harassing players. Nick Boynton has come out and said this. Brad Sopel, one of my kind of favorite little engine that could players or big, scary engine that could players from back in the day. Brad Sopel, he's like a 3XL version of Andrew W.K., <laughs> you know, I, I love the guy and he's just shown me part of the reason that I love him because he's an intelligent guy with a moral compass. And he has come out and said that the team did, did things wrong. And they knew about this as players. Daniel Carcillo came out and he was a flyer at the time. And he said, yeah, we heard about this shit. You know, how you can have an open secret like that about something so damaging as sexual assault. It just speaks to a completely corrupt moral culture around this team. And I think everybody's got to go. You know, I think everybody that was involved in this cover-up needs to get sanctions from safe sport, keeping them out of the game forever. And I think that, you know, we need to include sports executives at every level in mandated reporter laws. There's absolutely no reason for all of these people to keep their jobs. No. Like there, there's no, what, what sort of fake sepia toned look into the past makes you say, Oh no, we need to keep this guy around. What he's done far out as to the good far outweighs the fact that he allowed somebody to sexually assault their players and then allowed that person to go sexually assault people elsewhere. Right. And Stan Bowman is currently GM for team USA. And ostensibly to do so, has had to receive and give multiple levels of training on sexual harassment prevention, sexual assault prevention, and yet helped shelter an abuser in his past. And give him license to abuse even younger people. 
you yeah. know, when he was in, uh, when Brad Aldrich was in Houghton, mm-hmm. he was arrested for sexually abusing a 17 year old child, a child. He then spent a certain amount of time in jail is still in that area. Apparently, apparently he's like, people see him from time to time in the area. He's a registered sex offender in the state of Michigan. All of this could have theoretically been prevented by exposing him as a sexual predator when you had the chance the first time. There are multiple levels of crime here. Yeah. First being obvious, like Brad Aldrich, Aldrich being a sexual predator, but also, you know, him getting hired in Chicago when there were already questions about his past. Yeah, there seems to be kind of varying accounts of red flags coming from his his time at, at Notre Dame. He would have been in his mid-20s at that time, but was said to, you know, really fraternize with players and, you know, try and be seen as sort of on the team, always looking to hang out with players. And some players found it creepy. I think a lot of people in that position that he were was in, you know, that's natural to do that, to like stay, to, to put yourself as a friend of the players and like want to hang out and stuff. And, and, but he started to, you know, do things that really obviously in hindsight look like grooming you know, he was having parties at his apartment with kind of trusted groups of players. And, you know, he was like texting guys, like hanging out or asking where the party is. You know, that's not something that re- you should be doing. I mean, he's trying to involve himself in the lives of young people, which, you know, some people who are in their like late 20s, like still pretend that they're like 22 and mm-hmm. go out to clubs or whatever, you know, but yeah. like. I know 35-year-olds that still think they're in college. Yeah, but there are also people who are trying to hang on to the youth because they or want to really be around young people because they're perverts. And in this case, like if you have any number of guys from those Notre Dame teams who are uncomfortable about the type of interactions they're having, because like you can be like, oh, yeah, that's Brad. He likes to hang around, but you know he, he's old. We don't want to talk to him. Or there's, yeah, really don't tell Brad where we are because I don't like him being around. Mm-hmm. There, That's a different level. Exactly. And the fact that that is kind of the vibe that some of those Notre Dame players took away from him at during his time at the university really says a lot. And the fact that he then got a job at the NHL level says that nobody at Notre Dame said anything about it so like that's which, also because stan bowman will hire anybody that spent time at notre dame without a second thought well and also catholics are really bad at you know <laughs> yeah. providing information on sexual predators but yeah catholics and scandals go together like like it, <laughs> it's like uh at some level this scandal had to involve catholics yeah what what goes together like catholics and scandals nothing <laughs> no, no that that's that's the analogy so we've got two lawsuits in cook county circuit court by Two John Doe's, one of which was a Blackhawks player, one of which was abused in Houghton, Michigan. And he was uh, uh, when he was a student and, and he's you know alleging that the Blackhawks let this guy run free to abuse him. Obviously, the Blackhawks have been pretty tight lipped about it, but their statements still somehow leave something to be desired. You know, you could show some semblance of care for the, the accusations that have been leveled against your club. Instead, they're just categorical deny- denials as opposed to like, we take this sort of thing seriously, but also it never happened. It's just like, nope, this never happened. Goodbye. Yeah, exactly. You know, this mental skills coach, James Gre- Gary, was said to, at the time, kind of blame these victims for allowing this to take place and, and really putting the sh- shoulders, or yeah, really putting the blame on them when he needed to be doing the exact opposite. And I think this is, you know, case in point to why these all of these people should be mandated reporters under Illinois mandated reporter law. I mean, it, if abuse is happening, everybody that is paid to participate in professional sports needs to have it be a part of their employment and and you know livelihood to report these kinds of things to the authorities because we get so many accusations that don't make it to light because of this exact type of situation, because people are 
choosing to stick their head in the sand and ignore very credible accusations for their own livelihood. You know, I always go back to a quote, I'm paraphrasing, but it's like, why would you understand something when it is in your economic interest to not understand it? I forget who said that. That's what these sexual assault accusations are to these, the same 80 hockey men that run the league. It's something that they would rather not deal with to keep doing the other jobs that they're doing, but we need to make it so that's not the case. Otherwise, the shit will keep happening and it will keep getting swept under the rug. And I think that, you know, some form of reform of mandated reporter laws to include all hockey executives should happen. Because as we're seeing with the, you know, in Massachusetts right now, they're having a veritable epidemic of safe sport, you know, barring people from participating in future hockey things because of safe sport accusations, because of lots of bad actors. And, you know, it's being shown that this is a hockey culture problem and we need to take concrete steps in order to make the sport safer for these, for the players, for the fans, for everybody. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. I I saw somewhere on Twitter where somebody was saying that like, hockey doesn't need to fix itself people need to fix it themselves because this is a people problem not a hockey problem but it's a fucking hockey yeah, problem same thing. It, even like, if it's a people problem fix the rules within hockey so that these sorts of predators can't make a living can't find more victims that they are capable of whose lives they are capable of ruining hockey has the ability from the top to to the bottom to do what they can to eliminate mm-hmm. these sorts of people from entering into its world. Yeah, it is a people problem, but also hockey and sports create a unique access point for predators to make it that type of people problem. So we need to step up and deal with it proactively in the sports world. It is a people problem, but it's amplified in these situations where coaches have this level of access and power dynamics over players. They can hold their careers at veritable gunpoint and say, you have to do what I want, or I will submarine everything that you've been building over the course of your athletic career. And that's featured in this scandal. It seems like it features in all of these types of scandals. There are ways to keep these people from getting that type of power right where they can influence other people's lives in harmful irreparable ways by setting standards and you know background checks and having like people and uh, as you said evan making people mandatory reporters so that when this shit comes up it's not about your livelihood going away if you report it's about your livelihood going away if you don't report right you're running an NHL franchise and you don't have that sort of responsibility as somebody who is, is in charge of hundreds of people. How? I don't know. Maybe, maybe mandatory reporting should just be mandatory for every job. I don't know. Yeah. And one of the other, you know, really dismaying things about this situation is there's rumblings of there being more to it. Nobody officially has reported on this, but people are saying there might be more victims, there might be more perpetrators that arose from this ignorant culture of winning at the time. And uh, I, yeah, I hope that we really get to the bottom of this, find out what exactly happened, and that people are made to to pay the price for their poor decisions at the time. It's insane that we can't even get the Marion Hosa contract out of the NHL before the Blackhawks 2010 Stanley cup run has, you know, aged like milk in 115 degree heat. That's an experiment we could do right now. (laughs) Sorry. I was thinking about 108 degree heat. Yeah. I saw someone on Reddit was um, cooking taquitos in the front window of their car at the Ikea. In Portland. Mm -hmm. That's actually pretty awesome. (laughs) Yeah. You know what else is actually pretty awesome? The Kraken. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, it's a team that doesn't seem to be making missteps right now, but I like yours better. Well, and yeah, the the Kraken seem to be doing a really good job. You know, they've hired diversity consultant. They've hired a black commentator in uh, Everett Fitzhugh. And now they're hiring JT Brown. 
Yeah, JT Brown announced his retirement from hockey and people were like, oh, why? And then he immediately announced that he had been hired to be part of the Kraken's broadcast team. And everybody was like, yay! I think it was in like the same sentence. (laughs) Yeah. It was was very much a roller coaster sentence. You know, obviously I haven't seen JT Brown do commentary before. This will be his first, or do... uh, Play-by-play? No, he's not doing play-by-play. He's on the broadcast team. Oh, sorry. Fitzhugh is the play-by-play guy. But I've never seen him do... Uh, this sort of work because he hasn't done it before or at least not in a medium that i have witnessed yeah he's got to have like a, a screen test on the record somewhere i find it hard to believe that they would just say oh you're a beautiful man you'll go on tv and you'll be the you'll be patrick sharp 2.0 but i mean to be fair that happens a lot it does but he's got i mean they've got to know that there's some proof in the pudding to throw that absolutely. kind of money at him yeah um, absolutely and and the, like this is just another awesome step taken by the kraken to you know think about the people that they want to both surround themselves with and Mm -hmm. also the public face that they want to put forward and to get somebody like jt brown a person of color who are thoroughly underrepresented both on the playing service and in the hockey community Mm -hmm to be one of those faces, one of those people that's going to be on the TV screen every night talking about your hockey team is just like one of a, a number of great steps that the Kraken have, have taken over the, you know, well, since they became a thing since before they were the Kraken. <laughs> yeah. I it, am really impressed by their ability to put their money where their mouth is before even a player or, you know, before a a team is together, they're really showing that they want to be a different kind of hockey franchise and standing in incredible juxtaposition to the Blackhawks right at the moment. And most hockey, like they've done more before they even play a game than many NHL franchises have done in there in the entirety of their existence. Right. They're really showing that they want to make hockey for everyone crack and hockey for everyone and we've been impressed so far hopefully that they can carry through the season and you know into a standard part of their coverage and legacy possibly the thing i'm most excited about this offseason is is the expansion draft it's not because the red wings might lose a good player because let's be honest <laughs> we only have like three but like <laughs> but you can't see, get three first round picks for him to see uh no we're not nick felino <laughs> um to see who like kind of becomes the core mm-hmm. of this initial kraken team and who kind of comes out like looking at the potential lists it looks like they're probably going to have some trouble scoring goals next year but there are a lot of really good goalies and defensemen who might be available mm. and so I'm thrilled that we're going through this again. Vegas was a rousing success until they hired Pete DeBoer to be their head coach <laughs> and fail in the playoffs. But um, they failed in the playoffs, in the late yeah. rounds of the playoffs, instead of like... Yeah, because they're coached by Pete DeBoer. That's yeah, I know. But, you know, <laughs> uh, certain teams could aspire to something like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey, I'd take I'd take the Red Wings making the conference finals pretty much every year right. again. Um, <laughs> we're talking about, like, the Kraken might have trouble scoring goals. They finally hired the guy whose job it is to see how they score goals and create those chances in Dave Haxtall, who had most recently been an assistant in Toronto, but before that had been the head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers for three and a half years. And then prior to that had been a very good coach for the university of North Dakota, his alma mater taking them to seven Frozen fours in eleven years, which is wow, pretty unreal. Yeah, that's crazy. He and Ron Francis had this picture op where they're like holding beers and hanging out, and nobody came up with the line "cracking a cold one," which is thoroughly unfortunate. <laughs> and the Kraken, uh, you know, for all the right moves they're making, come on, Kraken, you need better. We need we need sharper. Uh, you, you could take a note from, well, not Carolina, because they're just 
really punchy uh and they're my favorite but they're from their social media people yeah <laughs> their social media social people media. have been funny i know a lot of nhl twitter hates their social media team but i just kind of love it <laughs> no doubt the kraken will get there once they have an actual team on the ice they'll probably be right there punching back you just need to have a sense of humor i think that's the best thing and that's really kind of what NHL social media or especially Twitter has become is yeah you need to be willing to take a joke too I think which some teams are not no Nashville (laughs) Uh, we'll see how uh, how the the Kraken social media evolves as their uh, team evolves however as we were saying like the steps that they have taken so far have been really profound mm-hmm. and you know hopefully Hackstall ends up being a really good coach uh he he got philadelphia to the f- playoffs two out of his three full seasons and then was fired in his fourth never made it out of the first round but you those know, teams were kind of meh yeah those flyers teams weren't very good so uh, you know he he might be a real like diamond being uncovered here and Hopefully the track record he established at UND proves to be the more telling as opposed to his time in Philadelphia. I'm just really interested to see if any of his former players join the team because, you know, spending 11 years at North Dakota, he could just probably field a team of people he's coached before. It's entirely possible. My question is, how long does it take before the Kraken fire him and hire Pete DeBoer? All right. I think we're going to end on that high note and that joke. Thank you, as always, for stopping by, for listening. We are you know, thrilled, as always, that anybody would take the time to listen to us ramble. Um, but we're, we're happy you're here. And you know, hopefully, hopefully you stick around and we'll grow together. This all sucks. <laughs> I'm, what the fuck am I talking about? Anyways, all right. You can find us anywhere on the internet. Uh, HandsomeHockey.com is the website. Handsome Hockey Podcast on Instagram at Handsome Hockey on Twitter or Handsome Hockey Pod at gmail.com. You can also find us on our Handsome Hockey Facebook page. And the internet is not updating, so I'm just going to run this off the top of my head. We'll see how you do. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, YouTube occasionally, and what am I forgetting? The big one. The biggest one. Red Circle? Apple Podcasts. Oh, and Apple Podcasts. Fuck. <laughs> and Overcast. Thank you for completing that because, yeah, apparently it's too hot for internet. I frequently complete you. You you do complete me, Jake. Thank mm-hmm. you. All right. And on that lovely note, stay handsome, everybody. Restez beau. Tout le monde.